John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ways that you are working in our lives today. Uh, Father, we thank you for the stories that we've heard today. And Lord, we thank you for all of our stories. Uh, Lord, for the ways that you have uh, been moving us toward yourself. And Father, I pray that as, as your word speaks to us right now, Lord, I pray that you would move us closer to your heart that you would transform our character so that it will be more like your good and perfect character. So Lord, speak by your spirit now. In Christ's name, amen. Have you ever had a time in your life where someone did something good or someone around you was very successful, and it just kind of rubbed you the wrong way. Uh, maybe even made you a little bit angry inside for some reason. Um, you, you knew that that wasn't right. You knew it was wrong for you to feel that way. You knew that you should be happy for them. You knew that you should be glad that someone was doing this good thing, whatever it was. But there was something inside your heart that saw this person doing this good thing, and, and it made you kind of angry. Maybe, maybe you were jealous of their success. Maybe you were a bit ashamed because you knew that you should have been doing what they did, but you didn't do it or couldn't do it. Or maybe you've experienced the reverse. Maybe there is someone in your life who seems to always have it out against you because you do the right thing. You do what you're supposed to do at work. You don't cut corners, and you tell the truth, and you act honorably whenever you can. And there's someone in your life who just can't bear to see you be successful and to do the right thing, and maybe gives you a hard time because of that. Last week, our brother Simps had a great message for us on our calling to be light in the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. Our calling as followers of Jesus is to reflect his light, his goodness, his love, his kindness, his self-sacrifice, his character. We are called to reflect that light into the world. As the moon reflects the light of the sun onto the night, so we are to reflect God's light into our dark world. And Sims made a great point in that sermon that I've been thinking about this week. Sims talked about how the light reveals or manifests anything that's already there. Do you remember that? That the light reveals anything that's already there. It doesn't create something new. Instead, it reveals what's already there. It uncovers the truth. And it uncovers the good and the bad alike. And we're going to look at a story today from the Gospel of John that illustrates this idea in a very clear way. Turn with me to John chapter 12. And I'm going to read for us verses 1 through 11. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word? 
John 12, 1 through 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Jesus lived, whom, uh, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. If you remember, Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead in the chapter before. Martha served while Lazarus was among them reclining at the table with him, and then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and they came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Amen. You may be seated. We are looking at this story for two reasons today, and the first is because this story begins to point us to Jesus' death. And Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday are coming in a couple of weeks, and this story begins to prepare us to remember and to celebrate that weekend. The second reason we're looking at this Passage is because there's two different stories being told alongside one another here in this passage that illustrate this idea that when light shines, it doesn't only reveal the good, but it also uncovers the bad. Or another way to think of it is this, that when light shines in the darkness, it never fails to cast a shadow. When light shines in the darkness, it never fails to cast a shadow. You can see my shadow back here. We can wave, and you can see it back here. When light shines in the darkness, it never fails to cast a shadow. You've been at a play before, right? When all of that, right? Okay, you've been in a play before when all of the, the house lights are down and the stage lights are off, but there's a spotlight on that one performer. There's a bright shadow behind him, or I guess a very dark shadow behind him. And the darker it is in the room, and the brighter the light is, the more stark the shadow is. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. The story that we read today talks about two different stories about light shining into the world, about good work being done for the glory of God, and how that light created a shadow from those nearby whose hearts were opposed to the light. First, we have the story of Jesus raising Lazarus. Right before this story of Mary anointing Jesus' feet, John tells us the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. You remember that story, right? Jesus was away with his disciples, and he, he comes to Lazarus and Mary and Martha's house, and Lazarus has been dead for four days. 
And Jesus and the crowd of people go out to the tomb, and Jesus has them open up the grave, and Jesus calls out to him, Lazarus comes out, and Lazarus, this dead man, is alive. And he walks out of the tomb. Now you would think that a man being raised from the dead would only be good news for people, right? What is there to criticize about raising a man to life? But as, as our brother Dana likes to say, no good deed goes unpunished. We've often heard Dana say that, okay? And that's what happens here to Jesus at the end of chapter 11. After Jesus has done this great thing of raising Lazarus from the dead, the religious leaders of that time, they get together and they have this meeting and think, what are we going to do with this Jesus? Because he has now raised a man from the dead. There's all of these people following after him. They're placing their faith in him. We have to do something. And at the end of John 11, it says, at that time, they began to plot to kill Jesus. It was because of raising a man from the dead, this good work, this work that shined a lot of light into the world, that these men now believe that they are going to kill Jesus. So in this story, we have Jesus glorifying his father through his power to raise Jesus from the dead. This good work that was now leading many people to come and to see that he was the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the whole world, the resurrection and the life. And because of this good work, this light that was shining into the world now casts a shadow as these religious leaders in their own hearts are grasping for power. These men who are threatened by who Jesus is, his light exposed the darkness in their hearts and they begin to try to kill him, to extinguish the light. And in fact, it says that the story at the very end of the verse that I just read for you in John chapter 12, not only do they now need to try to kill Jesus, but they need to kill Lazarus as well. Because the evidence of this good work, the evidence of this light needs to be extinguished as well. But light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The other story that's being told in John 11 and 12 is this beautiful story of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and washing his feet with this expensive perfume. It's such a beautiful story, isn't it? If you close your eyes and imagine yourself there, Mary comes into the room and her light is shining, right? Her love for Jesus, her desire to serve him and to honor him, that is shining brightly. It's very clear, but that light in this story, it casts a shadow when her light hits Judas's heart and it casts a dark shadow. It reveals his own jealousy and his own pride and his own evil intentions. So there's this banquet being held in Jesus' honor, and Mary comes in, and she kneels next to Jesus, and she opens up this pint of pure oil and begins to wash Jesus' feet. And it's this expression of tenderness and love that she has for Jesus. And we're told here in this story uh, that this jar of perfume was worth about a year's wages. A year's wages. This is an extravagant act. Her light is shining very bright. Mary treasures nothing more than she treasures Jesus. The most expensive thing, no doubt, that she owned herself, that was worth nothing compared with expressing her love for Jesus in this way. And she does all of this publicly in front of everyone without shame, without embarrassment. And so here we have Judas, the traitor, who then comes in and she, he tries to shame Mary, to cast a shadow 
on Mary's light. As her light shines brightly, he tries to shame her. In front of everyone, he suggests this, this act was foolish, that this oil could have been sold and something really good and noble done with it. Judas's dark heart is revealed here because of Mary's light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus steps in and he says, leave her alone. She is mine. She is worshiping me. She treasures me more than anything else. She cares about my approval before the approval of anywhere else, and I have a purpose for her offering. So leave her alone, Judas. Mary's heart is in the right place. Mary's light, her love for Jesus, reveals and exposes Judas for who he is, a traitor, one who is jealous of Jesus, perhaps jealous of Mary. It exposes, it reveals his own heart and his hunger for money. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. We are called to enter into our world in the same way as Mary to allow our light to shine brightly, to allow our love for Jesus in our service to him and for our neighbors to be clear to the world. And the truth is, is that when that happens, there will be some people who will resist us, some people who will even hate us for it. I had this great opportunity uh, to do this interview with Bill uh, a couple weeks ago and put together this, this video. And part of the the story that I had to cut out so that it wasn't, you know, a half an hour long, uh, was after Bill stood up in front of his fraternity brothers and he shared with them, I've accepted Christ and because of that I know today that I need to forgive John. He said that something amazing happened in the room after that. He said that room divided. On one side, there were people who came up to him afterward and thanked him, welcomed him, say, I'm a believer too, I, I'm glad you know Jesus now, and welcomed him and spent time with him the rest of that weekend, and there were other people who completely ignored him the rest of the weekend. The room divided because he shined light into that room. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness will not overcome it. I want us to consider Mary's example as we think about our own calling to allow our light to shine. Like Mary, each of us are called to take the gifts that we have, the treasure that we have, and to offer it to Christ and to use it as an expression of our love for him. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from Mary's example in this story about how we can let our own light shine. First, before anything else, before we do anything else, we must commit to sitting at the feet of Jesus. Whenever we see Mary in the gospel stories, she seems to always be at Jesus' feet. Remember that story earlier on in the gospels, it's in Luke chapter 11, so it's earlier on in, in Jesus' ministry. Jesus is at Martha and Mary's house, and Martha is very busy with dinner, right? Do you remember this story? And Mary is in the living room, sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his teaching. And Mary gets frustrated by this and comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, make Mary help me. And Jesus turns to her and says, Martha, you're worried about lots and lots of things, but Mary's chosen the most important part. 
Then again in John chapter 11, after Lazarus died, Mary rushes out to Jesus and she collapses there at his feet. And now here in this story, she is once again at his feet. It is a place of humility. It's a place where Mary was always, always ready to listen and to learn and to serve Jesus in whatever way that she could. It's at Jesus' feet where Mary learned from Jesus about his character, learned from Jesus about how he was calling his followers to live. And each of us, like Mary, need to sit at Jesus' feet. And by this, I simply mean we need to spend time with him. Reading the scriptures, especially the gospels, and learning about his character and about his work. Learning and discovering the treasure that is in his teaching. As we sit at his feet, we learn about his character and we learn about how we are called to be his followers. About five years ago, I went to a pastor's conference in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia at Regent College where Katie and I used to live. And uh, this pastor's conference, the entire conference was for pastors to come and to learn and think about how we as pastors uh, need to always be spiritually alive. And they taught us practices and rhythms of life to make sure that we pastors knew how to make sure that we were always continuing to be fed by the Lord and connected to the Lord. And over this two-day weekend, you know what they taught us? That we should pray and read our Bibles. <laughs> okay, so we had 300 pastors there. At the end of the day, this is how we spend time with Jesus. It's how we are fed. It's how we are nourished. This is true for all of us. So I spent these two days to learn all of the things that we pastors teach on to you. It's our calling to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him through reading our Bibles and through prayer. If our light is going to shine, we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to learn about his character and about his calling for us. And maybe today you struggle. What is my calling? What is this thing that I'm supposed to offer to the Lord? Maybe you really struggle even knowing what to do. How can you let your light shine? How can I use the gifts and resources that I have for Christ? I want to suggest to you that you learn it by spending time at his feet. By spending time with him in scripture and prayer, and through that, you will learn what he has for you to do. The second thing that we learn from Mary's example is to very simply offer what you have. Mary takes her most valuable possession, this fragrant and expensive oil, and she takes it and she puts a little bit on her finger and she dabs it on Jesus' feet. Right? She takes it, she pours it. This thing that she has, this most valuable possession that she has, she takes it and she pours it all out on his feet. Mary, in her overwhelming love for Jesus, in that moment, she wanted to express that she knew that Jesus was worth treasuring more than anything else, and she had this one way that she could do it, by simply offering what she had. That's all we can do, and that's all we are ever asked to do. Offer what you have. Don't look around at what other people have to offer. Pastor Ryan has his gifts and his resources and his time. He is responsible for offering that. 
Andrew, you have your gift and your time and your resources. You're responsible for offering that. Marsha, you have your gift and your time and your resources. You are responsible for offering that. No one else is responsible for offering my gifts, my treasure, my resources. You're only responsible to offer yours. We offer what we have. There was a friend of mine recently who was really wrestling with this particular thing in his own life that he really wanted to share. He really wanted to minister to someone else. And he said he was just sitting there and God said to him, if you want to minister to me, just do what you do best. And he did. Just do what you do best and offer it to God. Third thing that we learned from Mary's example is to ignore the critics. No doubt Mary knew that there was going to be people in that room that day who thought that she was silly and foolish. And in our own lives, when we serve Christ wholeheartedly, we are going to have those critics to deal with. If you seek to serve Christ with single-minded devotion, critics will come and they will try to cause doubt They will try to tell you to moderate your commitment to Jesus. Like Mary, remember that Christ is the greatest treasure. Like Mary, know and remember that he suffered and died for you because he loves you so much and that what Christ thinks of you is the only thing that ultimately matters. People will come and say, don't waste too much on Christ. Don't give too much. Don't listen to the critics. The service that you have to offer Christ is never a waste. The fourth thing that we learn from Mary's example is that what you offer will be used for more than you can imagine. What you offer will be used for even more than you can imagine. Mary has one purpose. She simply wants to express her love for Jesus. That's all she wants to do that day to express her love for Jesus. But we see in this story that God has even a greater purpose for her act of worship. The first thing that we see is that John tells us that when Mary anointed Jesus' feet with oil, John takes time to sell us, tell us that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Everyone in the room, at least those who were willing, got to enjoy and benefit and receive a blessing from Mary's worship. There were the critics, there were the shadows that were cast in the room, but we also learn in this story is that when we offer our worship to Jesus, that it will bless others too. Those who understand, those who know what's happening, those who know what we are doing as we offer this gift, they will be blessed and encouraged by it. The whole house was filled with the perfume. Anyone there who had eyes to see, anyone there who had the same love that Mary had for Jesus, they were blessed as they got to smell the beauty of that perfume in the room that day. And then there's something more in this passage as well. Jesus says something interesting. He says to Judas, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. That somehow this anointing of Jesus' feet with oil was somehow a preparation for Jesus' death and for his burial. 
Mary only had one intention for the offering. She wanted to express her love to Jesus and her worship. And so she offered it to him freely and extravagantly, as we've seen. But Jesus says that it accomplished something even more than she had in mind. This perfume was given, and it pointed to his own death and his own burial. Jesus said that his, her action prepared him for his own suffering and burial. She was assisting the Lord in carrying out his own work for you and for me. She had no intention for that to happen, but God used her offering in ways that she could not have imagined. I think I've mentioned this before when we looked at this text, but the scriptures don't say this explicitly, but I want to just use my imagination for a moment. We have these oils, these essential oils in our home. I know a lot of you do too. And whenever we use them, we usually just use like a drop or two, right? And they stay on your skin for hours. She used a whole pint on Jesus's feet and rubbed it into the skin. It stayed there. And this happened right before Jesus is about to go through this week where he is about to suffer. And I just wonder if maybe throughout this week that he continued to smell the anointing on his feet. That when he knelt down to wash his disciples' feet, that maybe he smelled Mary's perfume. Or maybe when he was kneeling in the garden with his face to the ground, if maybe he smelled Mary's perfume. Because she, in her work, was doing work that she couldn't have imagined. It was preparing him. It was anointing him for his suffering and for his burial. Our own acts of service, when we offer them to Jesus, will do more, that God will do more with it than even we can imagine. Because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. When we shine our light into the world, God does amazing things with it. Things that we intend, things that we hope for, things that we pray for, and also many, many more things that we can't imagine and may not even know the side of eternity. In a couple of weeks, we are going to remember and celebrate Good Friday. We are called to remember the cross of Christ every day in our lives. But Good Friday is that day that the church is set aside to focus on that central event of our faith. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. At no time or place in history has John 1.5 ever been more true than at the cross. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. At the cross, we see both light and shadow. The cross is the greatest work that has ever been done. God's own self-sacrifice for us and for the world, the giving of his son. At the cross, we see the bright light of God's love for the whole world and for you. The cross tells us that there's nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God. The cross where our maker shows how far he would go so that we could be with him. There is no act in the history of the world that has ever been displayed that expresses more love and that shines more brightly than the cross. And because the light is so bright, it also reveals a lot of shadows. 
the cross, the suffering and death of the perfect Son of God is a reminder to us that sin and evil and death are very real. On the cross, Jesus experienced that separation from God as he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is darkness. That is shadow. The sin that Jesus took upon himself made him feel as if his father has turned his face away from him. On the cross, Jesus drank that cup of suffering. On the cross, hanging there naked and beaten and bloodied and bruised, Jesus took on the punishment of my sin, light and shadows. The bright light of the cross, the great act of love for the world, reveals also the darkness of sin. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not overcome it. Do you know the light and the shadow of the cross in your life today? That your heart is dark, like Judas's, like the Pharisees, but that God's light is shining into your heart. That there is no sin that you can commit that has more power than the light of the cross. There is no darkness that you can walk in that the light of the cross of Christ cannot expose and heal. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Will you say it with me? The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Stand with me. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. One more time. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that while sin and evil and death are very real in our world, and way more real in our own hearts than we ever want to care to admit. But we thank you that your light has shined into our world in so many ways, and mostly through the death of your son, where you showed us how much you love us and shined your light brightly into our world. Father, I pray that we would allow your light to shine in all of those places in our hearts, the places where we hide from other people, the places where we hide from you, the places where we even tried to hide from ourselves. Lord, I pray that your light would shine brightly into those places and bring us your healing and forgiveness. Amen.